good morning and welcome to the Vineyard. My name is Joe Wood and we are glad that you are here. Um, it's, been a, it's been an interesting week, uh, excuse me, an interesting morning already. It feels like it's been a week already this morning, but it's been an interesting week. I don't know if you've noticed it yet, but it's like gray day at the Vineyard. It's like uh, the band was gray, Pastor Janice was gray, I'm up here in gray, and I was told by one of my friends a couple of minutes ago that if I zip my coat up, I look like the Amish villain from a James Bond film. And it's like, that's not my goal. I got a new jacket, a new um, blazer from somebody I love desperately, and so I'm wearing it. But um, I, I'm just I'm dumbfounded at how much gray there's been today already. And it's like, wow, what about that? Well, it is the new year, and it is the first Sunday of the new year, and it has already been absolutely amazing. Um, as, as Michael said just a couple of minutes ago, we had the privilege of baptizing a young lady this morning who surrendered her life to Jesus, talked to me oh, um, last year sometime in and around Thanksgiving and said, hey, can I do this? And there were some, sec uh, some special circumstances involved in that, and I don't know if you can see that there. This is Casey Herbs, who surrendered her life to Jesus um, and was baptized this this morning, and that is um, our own Mary Beth Wilson, who is helping me in the baptism because, and, and, and don't write me off yet, there's a whole sermon to follow this up, but because the, the Mary Beth led her to Jesus. See? Yeah. Yeah. One of our students led one of their friends to Jesus, and pretty much the next question was, well, there's some water, why shouldn't I be baptized? And we don't have to go get somebody. Now, I, please, I want to assure you that I have a very close relationship with Mary Beth and her friends. Um, I know Mary Beth, I baptized Mary Beth. Um, we, had the, we have the privilege of continuing to watch her grow here, and scripturally, that is really what things should be looking like. You should be leading people to Jesus Jesus, and, and, and we're going to get into this story this morning. Don't write me off just yet. You can write me off when I'm done, but please not yet, okay? But there's a place where you understand that we've been called to make disciples, and if you've been called to make disciples and lead people to Jesus, then there is a place there where you've been called to continue the process. Even the scripture says that Jesus did not baptize um, anybody. His disciples did the baptizing. And even Paul said, listen, I didn't baptize anybody. Well, I did baptize those of the house of Stephanus. But other than that, the people with me were doing the baptizing. And so we, we see that there's a place there for us to be involved in disciple making. Now, we're going into the new year. New year, new heart. But that's not the new word. The new word is stand up. If you were not here last week, the new, the new word for you and I, I don't have a bracelet for it this year, but is stand up. It is time for you to stand up for truth. It is time for us to stand up for our families. It's time for us to stand up for our, our marriages. It's time for us to stand up for our children. And, and to some degree, listen, I love you, but it's time to stand up to your children. I'm serious, okay? It is time for us to be parents. But more than anything, it is time for us to be Christian people that expect respect and give respect to the people of the world, that we might be lights shining in the darkness. We're not going to be lights if, if, we, if we lose sight of that. And so I want to talk about, I'm going to begin this year, actually I did last week, but I want to begin this year um, talking about stand up. But today we're going to stand up for salvation. And I want, I, I want, to, I want to talk about that. 
that. This story opens that way. It's in the book of Acts. It's in chapter 8. If you want to follow along in one of these things, crazy things about these things is you can get them just about anywhere. Probably if you went into your basement, there's a couple, and you can just like, you know, dust it off, and then, whoo, same words that Pastor Joe's using if it's the the same edition. But um, the words will always show up on the screen. And so you know, as you press into Jesus, and our desire is that you grow in Jesus Christ, you will come and the the words will always be there. But one of the things I've got to encourage you in is this. My goal as the pastor is to encourage you in a close personal relationship to Jesus. I'm not trying to be somebody that puts stuff in your mouth that you can just spit out when you leave from here. I want to encourage you to be a person that grabs your own Bible, opens it up, studies it for yourself, and when somebody says, why do you believe that, you don't say, well, in church, Pastor Joe said, but rather you might go so far as to say, in church, Pastor Joe quoted Jesus because it always comes back to Jesus, not your grandma and not Pastor Joe. It comes back to Jesus. What does the Bible say about what the Bible says? And I want to encourage you in that. So we're going to look at a story, because I love stories. Stories are a lot easier to preach than topics. But I I, I love stories, and we're going to look at a story in the the book of Acts in chapter 8, and it begins in verse 26, and I'm going to try to remember to cut off at 38, just because that's where I want to stop, and that's what I want to focus on. All right? Now, just to give you a heads up, Jesus has been crucified, if you're familiar with that story, okay? Um, Not only was he crucified, but three days later, they went to the tomb, and there was nobody in the tomb. There was nobody, and there was nobody in the tomb, okay? And then Jesus met with over 500 people over the next couple of weeks. Don't take my word for it. It's in your Bible, okay? And so then he was raised from the dead, okay? Excuse me. Then he ascended into heaven. And then he's gone. After he told you and I to make disciples. When that happened, a great persecution broke out against the church. Jesus told us they were going to hate us because they hate him. We've got to stop being surprised that people hate Christian people. We need to go back to understanding that the darkness hates the light. Because light drives out darkness. Darkness has... Have you ever seen a flash shadow? You ever bought one of those flash shadows where you like, you're in a bright light room and you turn it on and it sucks all the light out and suddenly it's dark? Never. There isn't no such thing. There's flashlights. You walk into the dark and push the button and it sucks all the dark out of the room. The dark hates the light. It's always going to hate the light. We need to kind of stop being surprised, but it's time for us to stand up with the truth. Book of Acts chapter 8 Let's get to the story, Pastor Joe, please. Now, now, Luke is writing this to Theophilus. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Go south to the road. Go south. To the desert road. (laughs) The desert road that goes to Gaza. Do you see how specific the angel of the Lord is being very specific, okay? It's going, to come in, it's going to be important in a little bit, okay? So he, Philip, started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit said to Philip, Now go to that chariot and stay near it. 
Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet, and he said, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless somebody explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before her shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. And who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip began, okay? He began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus Christ. And as he traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. There's the story. That's what we're looking at today. That's what we want to press into. That's what we want to say. And I'm going to try to do this in a little more sense and order than I did before, okay? So we've got this great picture. And it's a picture of a eunuch. Now, most of the little children are gone from here, but does somebody have to tell you what a eunuch is, okay? It's somebody who has been um, physically altered. Um, in, in the dog world, we say they've been fixed, okay, um, or they're intact, one of the two, you're one of the two, and that's who this guy is, okay, he was important to the treasury of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, known to be a very um, a rich and affluent individual, okay, now you need to understand that the word for eunuch in the Old Testament is also the word used for an official in the, the court of a king or a queen or, you know, somebody that's really important, a pharaoh. Now, I say that because often somebody in that important position got made into a eunuch so that they could have the position because we didn't want to worry about that person and all the women in the court either, okay? So just understand, the Scripture is just being very straightforward with you. This is a eunuch in the court of Candace. And for whatever reason, he's traveled, it would appear, from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. This is a man that was seeking God. He's seeking what he does not know, very much like what Jesus would tell the woman at the well. You worship what you do not know. This man was seeking what he did not understand. And he came to Jerusalem, and he worshiped, and he was on his way back to Ethiopia. And it's no small trip. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says to, uh, angel of the Lord, says to um, Philip, I want you to go down to the road, <clears throat> the south road. The south road that goes through the desert. The south road that goes through the desert that goes to Gaza. I want you to go to that road. And so Philip doesn't hesitate. Now remember, Philip's out of work. Did you ever think about that? Jesus ascended to heaven and left everybody jobless except for the fact that he said, go make disciples. And I'm not sure how much that pays. Honestly, I'm not sure how much that paid back then. Go make a disciple, have them follow you along, often that they would provide food and stuff for whoever their teacher was and give coin and stuff to them. But, but the bottom line is, I, I don't know that Philip you know, had a real job. And so there he is waiting, and yet he's still chasing after God. And the Holy Spirit says, go down to that road, I want you to do this. And says, now, as the chariot comes along, he says, I want you to go up to the chariot. What I want you to grab a hold of today before I get into the rest of this, because we're talking about standing up for salvation, what I want you to get a hold of is do you see how specific God is being with Philip in relationship to the Ethiopian eunuch? 
Can I get you to believe? Can I get you to believe that God cares about you that much? Could I get you to believe for just a second that as you go through your every day wondering if there's a God that loves you, if you come to church and you just sit here going, go ahead, I got to do this, my spouse says, my mama says, my grandmama says, I got to come, so at least I'm going to come to the vineyard. As you do that, is there any way that I can get you to believe that God cares about you so much that he would send you to a church, that he would involve you with people, that he would put you in a small group, that he would walk alongside of you, that you are here in this moment at this time by appointment, and God has something to say to you because he loves you that much. You've got to understand, this Ethiopian would, would, would likely be a pagan. He doesn't know who the prophet's talking about. It's entirely possible that he's a Jew of the diaspora. He's been dispersed with, with, you know, with the, um, um, the attack in 586. Um, he could have, he could have got you know, kicked out. for that. But the bottom line is, what we're looking at is somebody who doesn't understand the, the Scripture at the very least. And so he hasn't been in synagogue forever. And so in my mind, here's a pagan riding along, treasurer, he's the captain of the treasury of, of, of Queen Candace of Ethiopia, and yet God says, I care about that guy. So Philip, I want you to go down to this road. And he was so specific. God knows where you are. He knows you're on the road to Irvin, at the mall, in Richmond, that used to be doll hairs in row four, in seat three. Some of you are like, who's in seat three? <laughs> I'm just giving you numbers. I'm just telling you that going into 2020, God knows and cares about you that much that you're here and that he wants to touch your life. And I love that as um, Philip explains to him, and he doesn't say, well, let's back all the way up to the book of Genesis, and in the beginning it says, in the beginning. Okay, he doesn't do that. He says, let me tell you who the prophet is speaking about in Isaiah 53, and then he begins to move forward and shows him that it's Jesus Christ who fulfilled the prophecy, prophecy spoken, prophecy fulfilled. We are not waiting on another Savior. We're waiting on the same Savior from at another time. Can you grab a hold of that? Sometimes when you're reading your Bible and there's a prophetic word and you want to say, that's for me, that's for my nation, that's, for that's a prophecy that was spoken and fulfilled and it's done. And this is an example of that. Isaiah 53 says, here's the suffering servant. He's going to love you. He's going to die for you. There's nothing pretty. You want to know what Jesus looked like? Nothing pretty. And he wasn't English. He was not six foot tall. He did not work out. He walked. But that's the picture, and that God loves you desperately. And so Philip teaches him the truth, and immediately this man says, I need to be baptized. Here's water. Why can't we do it now? And Philip says, all right. They stop the, stop the, uh, the chariot. They get out. They baptize the guy he gets up out of the water, gets back in a chariot. Philip is sent somewhere else by the Holy Spirit, and away we go. And this is what's going on. This passage is so rich with truth in your relationship to Jesus. It really is. Open this thing up and look at it. Look at what it says. Look at the call 
that God is making on your life for salvation, to surrender your life, to believe the truth, according to Ephesians 1.29, to believe the truth, be filled with the Spirit, surrender to Christ, and then be baptized. But understand this, baptism is not the end of anything. It's the beginning of everything in your relationship to Jesus Christ. It's not a ticket out of hell. It's the invitation into a relationship with Jesus. And so as we look at this, we see this truth. And we're looking at this passage, and this passage is talking about the need for a new heart. And this Ethiopian eunuch needs a new heart. And Philip was willing to stand up when God said, stand up and do this. And this Ethiopian eunuch's willing to say, listen, I, I know I'm not saved. I know I'm going through the motions. I know I'm just going to worship, but I don't understand what I'm, worship, what I'm worshiping. Listen, we talked last week. We need a new heart because we have a dead heart and we don't know Jesus. We need a new heart because we haven't exercised our faith and we're starting to atrophy inside. And we need a new heart because we are sucking and eating everything that our culture has to offer. Everything. We're just letting it influence us. It's just coming and take us, taking us away. This Ethiopian eunuch did not know Jesus. And when we're dead in our sins and we don't, need Jesus, we don't know Jesus, we need a new heart. See, the promise of God, even in relationship to this story, is from Ezekiel 36. I will sprinkle you clean with water on you. I will sprinkle clean water on you, excuse me, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Not just a new heart, but a new spirit will be inside of you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you. And look what the spirit's going to do. My spirit will move you to follow my decrees and carefully keep my laws. The Holy Spirit that is inside of you is inside of you for the purpose of reminding you what Jesus said and revealing to you the mysteries of heaven, but to, to continue to encourage and inspire us to, to walk with God. And we recognize this. I love this. He says, I will sprinkle you. He will baptize you. God will baptize you, washing us clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities. You know the scripture says that God will cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. And I've probably done this with, you know, three quarters of you, but let me just do it for the quarter that hasn't. How far north can you go before you're going south? As soon as you hit the North Pole, right? But there's no East and West Pole. How far east can you go before you have to stop going east? How far west can you go before you're not going west any longer? Do you understand the significance of that passage? I believe it's in Psalm 102, verse 3, or Psalm 103, verse 2. Do you understand the significance of I will cast your sins as far as the east is from the west, and I will remember them no more? Do you see the washing clean, the pure heart, the right standing before God, and everything behind you is gone? When you reach back for it, it's not supposed to be there anymore. It's gone. You've been set free from it. The price has been paid. And that's what we trust in God. But it's not a ticket. It's a relationship. And the question isn't always, have you been baptized? The question is, are you walking with Jesus? And as we go into 2020, I want to look at the story of the Ethiopian eunuch who was not walking with Jesus, whom the Lord gave a new heart and gave him a hunger for the Word, 
And his whole life changed after that. We don't know to what degree, but you can't, you can't interact with Jesus and not be transformed. If you say no to him, I'll take you to a, a, a passage where that happened and somebody walked away from Jesus with his countenance cast down to the ground. When you say yes to him, I'll take you to a scripture where the jailer celebrated with his family because their sins had washed free and they surrendered their life to Jesus and they were all baptized, we assume. And so that's the picture that we've got. But who needs salvation? Pastor Joe, what are you talking about salvation? We need to be set free from the penalty of our sins. We need to be set free. The book of Romans says that we have all sinned and we have all sh fallen short from what God expects from us. And it's that arrow that's not reaching the target that is sin to you and I that God had to pay for us. The scripture tells us in Acts 2, 38, Peter stands up in front of a great crowd and they say to Peter, what should we do? And he says, all of you repent and each of you get baptized. Because of the love of God, not the hate of God or the madness of God or the anger of God, but because of the love of God, all of you repent. And that's a good word. All of you turn and go a different direction. Don't do it in the way that rationalizes in your human mind. Do it God's way. And then each of you get baptized so that people can see you've turned your life around. Jesus tells us that we need to live in forgiveness. We need forgiveness. But he also said that if I forgive you, I expect you to forgive other people. People that hate you, people that spit on you, people that will mock you, people that will, I need you to love these people. And he says, if you won't forgive those people, I won't forgive you. Jesus said that, not Joe. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. If you forgive others, your, your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive you. We need to live in forgiveness because we need forgiveness. Of course, who needs salvation? All of us. We need a new heart. Man, we can't do this on our own. We need to be adopted back into the family. That's what salvation is all about. According to the book of Hebrews, and it says in the book of John that we know that we're saved when we long to do his commands, to fulfill his commands, and his commands are not burdensome to us. Is it a burden to you to follow Jesus and say no to your friends when they want to party? Is it a burden to you to say yes to your wedding vows and no to that which is outside of it tempting you? Is it a burden to you to turn the TV off when there's something on there that's questionable and you can handle it? You know, you can handle it for so long, and pretty soon it's handling you, right? You understand that. We can grab a hold of that thought, and I'll talk about it in just a second. But how do I know if I need Jesus? How do I know if I need Jesus? Well, Jesus said this in Matthew 7. He says, every good tree bears good fruit. That's how I know if I need Jesus. Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, what do you think he meant by that last statement? Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit will be cut down and cast into the fire. He's talking to us as human beings. And I have to apply this, self, this passage to myself. I know I'm hard on myself, but, but going into this new year, I want to come to God and I want to say I can apply this passage to me. I want to invite you to give yourself some thought and say, what is it that God is saying to me? Because we live in a world where the heart wants what the heart wants, right? 
The heart wants what the heart wants, somebody said in, a, in, in, in something my wife and I were watching one time. And it's like, no, 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 no. The heart wants what the heart wants is the devil's way of cooking us. You've heard the analogy of cooking frogs? You know what that is? You can't take boiling water and throw a frog into it because believe it or not, he can hop out that fast. So what you've got to do is you've got to take cool, tepid, I think is what my grandma used to call it, water, tepid water. I don't know what tepid is. I think it's lukewarm. I want to say, Grandma, why don't you just say lukewarm? We all know what lukewarm is. Who knows what tepid is? And the enemy just puts you in lukewarm water and then slowly starts turning the heat up in your life. And by the heat up, I don't mean makes your life miserable. I mean he starts to distract you. He starts to, you, hey, you want some of that. Hey, you want some of that. Hey, you need some of that. Hey, if God loved you, you would do this. Hey, don't wait on God's plan. Take what you can get now. Hey, it doesn't matter. You, it's okay to settle. It's okay to stick your foot across the line just a little bit. Some sin's okay because there's lots of grace. Instead of saying, listen, God, how do I allow you to, to change me, to transform me, to take me from glory to glory? How do I allow you to make me holy to holy to holy? How do I do that? God says, you do it by come and follow me. You do it by surrender. You do it by understanding that the goal is not to stay on the planet. Check this out. You know what I mean? It's like we live in a world where the enemy is cooking us like frogs, but we think it's a sauna. You know, we're like kicking back like, dude, this is awesome. Until suddenly you change a different color and you're cooked and somebody wants to eat you. And the scripture says that the, that, 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 that the, that the enemy is a, is, a, is a lion. He says to be alert. Peter tells us, be alert and be sober-minded sober-minded keep your mind clear and unfocused because your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour he's just throwing things into your life until he can finally overwhelm you you ever seen lionesses take down a, a gazelle but they just take that they just chase that sucker around until it's exhausted and if you've ever seen their claws, their feet are like, when we were in Zimbabwe, you know, we saw their footprints in the ground. We didn't see lions. We saw elephants and everything else, but there, there were footprints. And, and uh, th those are just like normal wildlife in Zimbabwe. Oh yeah, there's lions. They'll eat you. But their, their paws are massive. And they just tire you out until they can hook you with the claw, not the paw. You're, you're, you're cooked. And you're, you're like, God, why is my life where it is? And it's because the enemy has distracted us. Distracted us. Not done anything else to us, but distracted us. Got us to give up going to church. Got us to give up praying. Got us to give up reading our Bible. Got us to give up believing that God knows who we are and where we are, when in fact he knows because he's going to send somebody down to the road, to the desert road, to down to the desert road that's in the south that goes to Gaza because he knows right where you are. And he loves you that much but you gotta wait on God you gotta surrender to God you gotta be willing to recognize that you're a sinner in need of a new heart in your relationship to God Paul tells us in 2nd Corinthians chapter 11 that we're surrounded by people and some of these people teaching us the wrong things are false apostles and I will tell you, if you've ever got a question on how we should operate as a church, I'll tell you the easiest way to know what we should do. 
Open up your Bible to the red letters. Read them. And that's what we should do, even if it costs me my life. Because for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. The goal is to be faithful while I'm on the planet until such a time as he calls me home. However, he calls me home. And I don't want to stay here forever. Paul tells us that there are false apostles, deceitful workers, and they're masquerading as apostles of Christ even. And no wonder, he says, because Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It's not surprising then that his servants, his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be their actions they deserve. All I'm telling you is, if you believe in angels, you better believe in demons. If you believe in a God, open up your eyes. There is a devil. And he is looking to destroy your life. And he's not going to do it by scaring you to death. He's going to do it by sending a really good-looking woman into your life who really is desperately in love with you but wants nothing to do with Jesus. He's going to do it by sending a man into your life that will make you feel like the queen of the world for a little while, but then pretty soon you're going to recognize he's not leading you closer to God. They're going to offer you a job that makes more money than you ever have made in your life, but you don't have time to go to church anymore. Let me give you another one. He's going to tell you that you need to get your kids involved in everything to save them from the, the wiles of the enemy of this world. And when you get them involved in everything, you won't have time for church and youth group. And then you'll wonder why they went down the road that they went down. And it's a tough thing. But it comes down to you and I needing our salvation and letting that salvation be more than going to church. It will be about being the church. So as we come to this message, and we think about the Ethiopian that surrendered his life to Jesus, when we think about Casey surrendering her life to Jesus and getting baptized, I'm going to ask you a question. As you enter into 2020 and you ask God, please do something different, what's the fruit that is laying around your feet that doesn't let me know, but lets you know what kind of a tree you really are when nobody's looking? Listen, I'm not, I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to tell you that Isaiah 53, there was a suffering servant who came and suffered for your sins and the, and the government was on his shoulders and, and he was beaten beyond the recognition of a human being and that there was nothing pretty or fancy about Jesus that we should be drawn to him at all. He was not good looking. That people would say, hey, I'm following this guy. He's good looking. No. There was nothing pretty about Jesus, according to Isaiah 53. But he loved you so much that as God, he came down here and died for your sins, fulfilling all of those prophecies that are behind us and getting ready to embrace all the ones that are yet in front of us. That every knee will one day bow, not because they all surrendered their life to him, but because they have to admit that Jesus Christ is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. That's coming we've been called to surrender now we've been called to say Lord it's about you because we've been told it's time to stand up in all things Jesus said by this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another that's the way I memorized it back in the day different version does that is, excuse me is that the fruit laying around our feet because we live in a world right now ladies and gentlemen that wants to scare you with everything 
every hypothetical what if, put it on the, on, the, on the social media and get you scared to death about even walking outside of your house. Do you know how much of that stuff never comes to be in your life? We haven't been called to live in fear. We've been called to live in love. We haven't been given a spirit of fear. We've been given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Be alert. But I'm asking you, is there a place in your life like there is in the life of that Ethiopian eunuch where you surrendered your life to Jesus and said, Lord, I get it. I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness for my sins. And you died for me, and so I have it. And I recognize that. And so today, I'm done playing games. Today, I'm entering 2020, and I came into this building because I wanted something different. It starts with the surrender to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so I'm asking you this morning, as we as a congregation and as a community of faith enter 2020, are you ready to surrender your life to Jesus today? That's why these people are up here. If you're in here and your heart is going, oh, no, I don't know, you're probably the one the Lord, the Holy Spirit's talking to. It's time to give up. Could you come up here? Can we pray with you today? Can we say today is a new start in your relationship to God and let's go forward? Today is a day that I want to become a Christian. I don't want to become a churchgoer. I don't want to become a political Christian. I want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Today, I surrender. Are you in here today? Did you come to church for that today? Why don't we come up to our feet? And if that is you, could you come up here? We're all going to come up to our feet. We're closing this song. But I know God is speaking to some of you. I know He is. I mean, I know it's on. I know it's on. Because you're looking at the fruit around your feet and you're thinking, wow, what happened? Maybe the enemy snuck in and turned the, the hot water up. But it's time for you to surrender your life to Jesus. It's time because you want something different. You don't want what this world has to offer. You want heaven. You want heaven in here now. It is a time, God, for me to have everything you promised me that I might go through this life being faithful to you now, Jesus. It's time. Father, as we come before you, Holy Spirit, we just ask and pray that you move in our hearts. We ask and pray that you overwhelm us. God, sometimes we fall. We're chasing you. Our feet are pointed toward heaven, toward the cross, but sometimes we fall. Your invitation is to get back up, to don't let the, the, the enemy keep us down. But God, there's still people in here that need a new heart. And that's what you're offering today. It's what you offer every day, every moment. is a new heart, an opportunity to surrender our hearts to Jesus. God, I just pray that you move them. That today is a day to stop playing games. Today is a day to join the family instead of talk about the family. Today. Overwhelm us with your presence, Holy Spirit, today.